there. You're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners. And if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Before we jump into today's episode, um, a couple of announcements and reminders. I wanted to let my listeners know of a couple of upcoming episodes so that you can plan accordingly and know what to expect over the next couple of months as far as the um, episodes that are released. And um, those that are upcoming with the exception of the month of May. So the month of May will be Um, stories from estranged moms. Um, During that month, only those um, episodes will be released. So we'll finish out April and then pick back up in June with the varied topics. Um, But a couple of upcoming topics will be estrangement and addiction. Um, So if your estranged adult child um, has some sort of addiction issues, that might be one you want to listen to. Um, Or vice versa, if you're an estranged adult child and your parents have some sort of addiction issues. Um, estrangement and mental illness, again, the same with parents or children. Estrangement and anger and estrangement and evolution um, regarding gender, sexuality, and pronouns. Um, so if those of it are of interest to you, know that those are, are forthcoming. I also want to thank um, the estranged adult children who have reached out to me this past week Um, I hear you, I see you, and I um, am very grateful that you're finding this podcast to be helpful for you as well. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I want to make note of is that this podcast is reaching and touching the hearts of both parents and adult children. And um, I'm grateful for that because that was my intent. Um, with this podcast was to um, be inclusive and not exclusive. And as a reminder, if you would like to support this podcast and the work that I do, please consider a financial donation. This helps me to hire out some of the technical pieces of podcasting, which then frees me up to be available more for helping um, to support estranged parents and adult children with a more hands-on aspect. And I'll leave information on how to do that in today's show notes. So today's uh, episode is let's talk about therapists and therapy. Are therapists leading the charge for estrangement? Demystifying therapy, therapist, and the work done in the therapy room. But first are uh, quotes. The first one is, if we stand for change, we can spark a popular movement with power, influence, magic, and genius by Van Jones. The second, before we can make changes in the world, we must first make changes within ourselves. Rome Howard from A Million Little Things. The third, emotional pain cannot kill you, but running from it can. Allow, embrace it, let yourself feel, let yourself heal. Veronica Togolova. 
So today's episode, I wanted to begin with something that an estranged mom in my online support group said um, when she learned that um, I would be posting about this topic today. She said, there are reckless therapists, but this generation did not invent estrangement. People are finally discussing it. And by the way, I did ask her permission to share that, just so you're aware that I did not just um, take her words and, uh, and share it without asking for permission. I did do that. So if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that um, I am a therapy client myself. I am a therapy, um, I am, am a staunch advocate for therapy. Um and I work with therapists as a practice manager for a large psychotherapy group practice. And I have friends and colleagues that are therapists. So I have a fairly rounded view and take on um, therapists, the practice of therapy, um, the ins and outs of it. I have a rounded view as much as I can without being a therapist myself. And um, some of you are aware that I um, am looking to um, get my degree and become a therapist myself. So I just wanted to give that kind of um, background knowledge going into this so that you know that I'm, uh, I'm talking about that, which I know about. So I think it's important to recognize that not all therapists and um, their credentials are created equal. Um, A lot of people who have never been to therapy are not familiar with the different types of therapists, the different styles of therapy, the purpose for each of these, um, the the leanings of a particular um, study or degree, and, um, and things along those lines. And so I, th- I thought it was important to just mention that. Um, the catch-all terminology for therapist you may hear of is psychotherapist. And that can include psychiatrist, psychologist, mental health counselors, marriage and family therapist, clinical social workers, um, associate therapist, uh, so it's, it's important to know who you're looking for if you're seeking therapy um, or if you have an adult child who's in therapy, what particular therapist, um, if you have that information, what their therapy, what their degree is, um, their credentials, and, and um, a little bit about what, how they approach therapy um, because they're, they're all uh, very different. And um, that being said, the education and training also is not created equal, right? And um, that can vary by state, by degree programs, um, things along those lines, as well as um, licensure for each therapist, right? Um, I know here in the state of Washington, um, our master's level therapist, so those who are not clinical psychologists or psychiatrists um, all have master's degrees, so six years of college. Um, But in addition to that, they also have 3,000 hours of practical experience. And usually that 3,000 hours equals about two to three years, depending on how much they work. 
So in addition to the six years of education, they also have an additional two to three years of experience become, before they become fully licensed therapists. So there's a lot of time and effort involved in this. And when they're in training, getting their 3,000 hours of practical experience, they're also being supervised by um, a fully licensed clinician. And that clinician is working with them on their clinical skills and helping them to step into um, their clinical work more fully. So just kind of some some areas to consider. Um, the Another piece that I thought was important to kind of go over today is the therapy process in and of itself, because um, I know those folks that I've talked to over the years, generally when they're calling the office uh, seeking therapy for the first time, they're not um, super aware of what that therapy process is. Sometimes they'll call and ask and say, you know, oh, I only need one or two visits, and that's really not how therapy works. Um, The first couple of sessions are what we call an intake session, and that's just, you know, gathering facts, gathering history, um, learning about why the client's coming in for therapy, what they're struggling with, um, what their particular goals are for therapy, and things along those lines, as well as gathering uh, a historical um, timeline of the client. So their own personal history, but also their um, family history. Um, And so those first couple of sessions aren't even really therapy per se, because it's the therapist is having to get to know this person, right? And then the therapy process in and of itself is about building trust and rapport and making sure that the client has um, feels safe enough to be open, honest, and vulnerable, right? And so that all takes time. It's not something that can happen overnight. Um, and about sessions three and above, that's when the real therapy actually starts, right? That's when we start getting into the therapy process. Um, and and I think it's also important to recognize that when um, there are different types of, of um, trainings and theories and um, approaches to, th- to therapy that different clinicians or therapists have, and that, can, that affects how they approach therapy and their therapy styles. Um, one type of... Um, therapy style that I appreciate is um, the attachment, attachment theories and things along those lines. Um, I think it's super helpful and and especially in the field of, um, in, in the world of estrangement. So as you're searching for a therapist, I think it's really important for you to figure out why you're looking for therapy. Um, Because depending on why you're looking for therapy, that can weigh heavily on what type of therapist you're looking for. So if you're looking for a therapist to do any sort of evaluations for any sort of, um, you know, medical diagnosis, your a psych assessment or things along those lines, um, you may be looking at a psychologist or a psychiatrist, 
um, for those types of things. A psychiatrist also tends to do medication management. So if there's any sort of um, antidepressants and things along those lines, um, generally um, they can, well, not generally, but they can be um, prescribed by a psychiatrist. And there's usually a monthly check-in with that psychiatrist on how are the how's the medication management going, right? How are you doing with it? Do the medications need to be adjusted Um, and things like that? So as I mentioned, I think it's important to flesh out what you're looking for. Why are you going into therapy? And am I prepared to be open, honest, and vulnerable? Now I get that you may not walk through the door and just want to just, you know, vomit all of your stuff everywhere for for the therapist, this person that you've never laid eyes on before and don't know anything about. Um, But in order for therapy to really be successful, um, there is a level of honesty and vulnerability that needs to come with that on on the part of the client. Um, Every therapist that I know um, has a good moral compass. They are compassionate people. They are empathetic people. They are people who truly care about people and want to see them in healthy relations. And when I say that, I also mean in a healthy relationship with the self. And that's where therapy really begins, is, is working on the self and what, what is happening with, you know, with this person and how you relate to other people. And therapists want you to be in relationship with other people, but in healthy, safe, respectful, and loving ways. Um, and sometimes that's not possible. And so will a therapist suggest stepping back from family? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because sometimes it's necessary to step back in order to try to figure out what it is you're, you're feeling, you're sensing. Am I, am I looking at this through a lens that's really skewed? Or am I really seeing things for what they are? And a therapist can help you to sort through those things. And oftentimes, I mean... Let's just take, for example, and I'm, I'm not, don't come at me <laughs> with this. I'm not make, saying that everybody's an addict or every adult child is an addict. That's not what I'm saying. But if we look at this through the lens of addiction, right? Oftentimes, an addict, it's really hard to come off of drugs and alcohol if you continue to stay in the same environment you have always been in while you have been addicted to drugs and alcohol. It's really, really, really challenging to get out of that if you're immersed in it. And so the same thing, type thing, applies to estrangement or family relationships that are challenging and are struggles and abusive or just not emotionally healthy. And I say this for strange moms too. A lot of times it's you you need to step back so that you can try to get a clearer picture because oftentimes when we're in it, when we're in the middle of it, we can't, you know, that old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? And so that happens. 
and a therapist can help you get a clearer picture. A therapist knows the questions to ask to, to get beneath the surface of things, to get to the root problem of things, and to help you to help yourself, right? Um, now, that being said, there are therapists who um, might make a suggestion that you cut your family off. And I have, I, from my own personal experience, I've not encountered therapists who have done that. Um, I, the therapists that I have gone to, they have been the type of therapists that have challenge, appropriately challenged me, right? And, um, and have not always agreed with me, right? They're not, they, they're not going to come out and say, oh, I don't agree with you on that. <laughs> but they would ask questions of, you know, have you considered such a such? Or have you thought about such a such? Or would you be open to this over here? Or what about that over there? that kind of therapist. And I appreciate those therapists who help me to get out of my box of thinking and begin to look at a bigger picture. So, um, and I think that part of that lies with the client coming in with a sense of curiosity, right? What is it that I don't know? What is it that could be beneath the surface that I'm not seeing? And I want a therapist that's going to help me to discover that right? So that I can come up with my own decisions for myself. I don't want anyone telling me what I should and shouldn't do. I want someone who's going to stoke my curiosity fire so that I can discover what's best for me. So yes, I think a good therapist is someone who will appropriately challenge you, um, may not always agree with you. Um, I think it's also important to recognize that therapists are human beings. And as such, they are not perfect. They're not. And therapists have emotions and therapists have feelings and therapists have their own experience and things like that. Do I think that a therapist who is in an active estrangement with their family would I want that therapist to, to be seeing me? Probably not. Um, however, do I think that because they've had or had were previously estranged that they're, you know, they've experienced estrangement that they're not, they don't have value and can't help me? Absolutely not. I think someone who has personal experience with something has a lot to offer other people. Right. So I think it's important to just, you know, remember that there, there are, it's not just the therapist that's in the room, right? It's the therapist and the client or clients. So, you know, if it's a couple's therapist, you know, they're in the room with a couple, um, or a family unit, and things like that. And so all parties play a part in this therapeutic process. And if you have one party or a client coming in who is not being forthcoming and honest, they're not going to get a whole lot out of therapy. 
But if they can come in and be open and honest and vulnerable with the therapist and have that curiosity, I mean, it's, it's an, therapy is an invaluable tool if you come into it like that. Um, I think like with every other profession, are there good therapists and bad therapists? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it's up to the client to do the work to, to flesh that out as much as possible before they get into, you know, too far into the therapeutic process with that therapist to figure out, is this the therapist for me? Because the type of therapist that I go to may not work for you and vice versa. Thank God there are different types of therapists because there are different types of people and we all need different things. So it's important to figure out what it is that you're looking for, what you're hoping to gain out of therapy. You may not know the process. You may not know all the questions to ask, but it's, it's helpful to have an idea. And for those who might be interested, I have created um, a, a list of questions for, for people to ask a therapist um, regarding their estrangement experience. If you're looking to, to get, get into therapy and you're looking for a therapist and don't know the questions to ask or feel that you, you, know, you have some questions but you don't know if they're appropriate or would be helpful or if there's other things, I have that available. If you're interested in that, please email me at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. And I'm happy to um, forward that to you. Um, so um, I think some another thing to consider um, is, again, the types, does, does this therapist need to specialize in estrangement to be able to help you through your estrangement experience? I don't think so. When I started going to my therapist, um, I was I was seeing my therapist when my estrangement occurred, um, and I was seeing her for for a totally different reason. And when the estrangement occurred, we we switched things and started working on that. And my therapist is not an estrangement expert, um, and I didn't know for a very long time until well after reconciliation that she too had once been estranged from her adult children. And so um, that's not something that every therapist is going to divulge. And I'll just be honest with you, um, depending on the age of the therapist and the school and training that the therapist has had, most, many therapists come from the school and train of thought that they are not to share anything personal about themselves with the client. Um, I don't, I don't agree with that personally. I want to know a little bit about my therapist um, because it helps me to either resonate with her or him um, and feel that, that, you know, they understand me to some degree. And anyway, but some therapists are not willing to disclose that. And I just wanted to to make sure to say that Um, that's not something that they have to disclose to you. So, but to figure out okay, so if they don't specialize in estrangement, what are some of the things that you could look for or ask about um, for a therapist that could help you in maybe bigger ways? And a couple of suggestions that I have are to consider a therapist who is a marriage and family therapist. 
Um, those therapists have specific training that um, comes from a family systems perspective where they're looking at the, the family as a whole unit instead of um, each individual person. And even if the whole family unit is not present in therapy, that's the view, the lens through which they look at all therapy from. And I find that super helpful. Um, another piece, another type of therapist that could potentially help with um, estrangement is one who specializes in loss and grief because estrangement is filled with loss and grief. And um, so that would be another one. And, um, you know, this, here's the thing. You could, therapy's a process and you may get to, you may start off with a loss and grief therapist who's able to help you get, you know, beyond that intense grief and get to a place where you feel relatively stable, but then you may feel like you need a different therapist at a different, because you're now at a different point in your estrangement experience. So don't be afraid to look for something different um, that is going to fit your particular needs at that particular time. Um, Another thing to do is to ask for a consultation um, before you jump into um, therapy with someone and and that um, consultations can help you to discern if you, you know, if you feel an immediate connection with this therapist or if you're just immediately like, oh my gosh, this person I'm not going to get along with. Um, Not every therapist offers consultations, but some do and some it's like 10 or 15 minutes on the phone just for you to kind of ask questions and kind of, you know, I, I tell folks that would call our office, it's a time for you to interview the therapist, ask what their training is, is what their education is, what their experience is, um, what their therapy approach and style is, how are they going to help you, right? All of those types of questions. Um, so that is another thing that you could do to try to help sort through that. Um, so... There's, there are a lot of things to consider when it comes to therapy. Um, I, do, I do not think that therapists are leading the charge in, in advocating for estrangement. Um, any therapist I have ever talked with, and again, professionally, friends, my own therapist, <laughs> all sorts of things, I, I've, none of them have ever said, oh yes, I absolutely... 100% promote estrangement. That's not the case. The times when they are suggesting or advocating for estrangement is if their client is in an abusive situation or or they feel that it's in their client's best interest to take a step back to be able to sort through some things in their life to kind of like take a time out from this this relationship with their parent or their sibling or whomever so that they can get a different perspective. Um, But most therapists, every therapist I've ever known, want people to be in relationships that are healthy and loving and kind and respectful um, and will do whatever they can to help someone achieve that. So... Um, but again, I think it's important for you to recognize and realize that you are, you play a part in this too. And if you're not willing to do your part, it's really hard for the therapist to do their part. Um, and that is, you know, 
you have to be able to come in and be open and honest and be willing to talk about the hard stuff and have that trust with your therapist that your therapist can hold that space for you to be open and honest. I mean, there have been, there have been times I've been in my therapy session and I have been angry and cursing a blue streak and just pounding my fist on the sofa and never once did she say, oh, Creed, you can't do that here. Stop doing that. Don't talk that way. She's never did that. She let me express what I needed to express. There's been times I've been sobbing on the sofa, right? And tears were allowed and everything in between. And that's what a therapist does. And I know that I can go to my therapist and talk about anything I want to talk about. And I know that it, it doesn't go beyond those, those four walls. And that's an invaluable type of relationship. And when I say relationship, it's a professional relationship. Um, she is not my friend. Um, she is my therapist. And, but that relationship that she and I have is invaluable for me. And because of the therapy that I have done, I am, I absolutely believe a thousand percent that had I not been in therapy and done the work that I did on myself, I would not be reconciled with my daughters now. So that's my, my take and input on a therapist and therapy. Um, I hope that it's been helpful uh, uh, of some sort for you. And if you have questions regarding therapist, um, how to find a therapist or, you know, whatever, please email me. I'm happy to answer those as best I can um, based off of my own personal and professional experience with, with therapist. Um, I'm, I'm happy to help if at all possible. So this brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you are able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing the podcast with others, and leaving a positive review or becoming a financial supporter through anchor.fm or Patreon. You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. And as a reminder, um, I do facilitate an online support group for estranged moms um, who identify as spiritual. They approach estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do their own inner self-work and reflection. And if you're interested in that, you can find us at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you're an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Until next time.